thought, I wonder why what Jesus could do with something really small. I wonder what Jesus could do with something really small. You've got a problem. And our natural reaction is to to declare every reason why our problem is not going to be solved. Our natural reaction is even to try to fix it on our own. We'll complain with our friends and our co-workers. We'll have text messages, even funny memes going back and forth, making fun of the person that is the problem in our life. We will, we will take care of other situations, the financial pressure that's on your life. You will try to take matters into your own hands to try to solve those needs. You will have other situations and other problems and challenges and pressures, and, and you will try to do things on your own. But will you pause for a moment and say, I know I don't have enough within me to take care of this situation. But I got a little bit, and I wonder, what could Jesus do with just a little bit? What could, what could he do with just a little? Just a little. We've got something. I mean, come on, it's not like we don't have anything. we got a little. It's just something really small. The willingness of Andrew is exactly what heaven wanted. It was exactly what Jesus wanted. I'm not saying that you need to have a level of faith that's going to kick open the doors and, and storm the gates of hell. You don't, you don't, I'm not saying you have to have that level of faith for God to do a miracle. I'm saying you've got to have a little bit of faith just to keep the door from closing all the way in your life. Jesus said a faith the size of a mustard seed which is minuscule, can move mountains. Not because of the seed itself, not because of the size of the seed, but because the faith that you have partnered with the supernatural power of who Jesus is can move mountains in your life. I'm not saying you need to have everything it takes to move every mountain in your life out of the way. All you have to have is enough faith to keep the door from slamming shut and say, well, maybe God could do something with the little bit that I do have. With a little bit that I do have. In verse 10, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Then we numbered the men for whatever reason back then. So 5,000 men, they're probably married, 10,000, a couple kids, 20,000, not really sure. Could have been a whole, whole lot of people. So the men, they all sat down, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, and the fish as much as they wanted, and they had eaten their fill. He told the disciples, go gather up the leftovers. So here these guys are walking out, peeling off pieces of bread, handing it to people, and the more they were peeling off the pieces of bread and fish and breaking it off and handing it, it's like the, the loaves were, were growing, and the fish I mean, I, the supernatural, it doesn't make sense. It ain't logical. I don't know how this happened. But all I know is that they took a little and they started applying the little and the little turned into a lot. And at the end of it all, they said, well, go gather up the leftovers. Because everybody loves leftovers. You know how it is. Turkey's always better the day after Thanksgiving than the day of Thanksgiving. Little trip to Fen. And they're like, so they go and they gather it up and gather the fragments and make sure there's nothing wasted. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets full of fragments left over. They gave away everything that they had and ended up with more at the end. And it isn't logical. 
that person, that situation, the thing in your life that looks like a problem, when you apply everything that you have towards it and say, God, I know my application isn't enough and I need your supernatural power to this, God does something incredible. When you start to love that person in your office that nobody likes, when you start to care for that person that is in need, that, that is, is the cheese grater on your soul, when you, when you have your mother-in-law over for dinner and, and you just love and care for her and, and nobody? All right. No mother-in-law's <laughs> jokes today. That's all right. So, but uh, you know what I mean? Like when you're over there and you love and care for her and take care of her and, and you, you know what I mean? The people in your life that you can find is a thorn in your side that are poking and, and hard to be around. When you start to give what you have and you say, God, I'm just going to submit what I have to you and let's just apply this and God, can you just help make what I have, which isn't enough, overcome this impossible obstacle. God does amazing things. And at the end of it all, you end up with more than enough for what you needed to keep going. Our natural reaction is to grab what little we have and hoard it in as much as we have and say, no, it's all mine. But God says, no, I want to use what you have to be a blessing to other people. I want to use what you have to be a blessing to other people. So what do we do with the little that we have? Are we stuck in small-mindedness? Are we, are we stuck in this idea that, that I'm never going to have more? That, I, that I, I'm, what little I have isn't enough, and so I have to hoard it and keep it to myself. I don't want you to get stuck in small-mindedness. That's not what the Bible's about. The Bible's talking about how God, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son to be a sacrifice for us. And so if, if we are supposed to be Christ-like, and then, then we are more like God when we are giving, when we are loving, when we are compassionate, when we are, when we are, are loving and giving, not being small-minded and hoarding. So are we stuck in small-mindedness? Are we stuck in our small-mindedness with our finances? Are we stuck in small-mindedness with our relationships? Are we stuck in small-mindedness with our talents and abilities? Gee, if I volunteer for this, I mean, I'm only volunteering once a month in kids. But if I, if I were to volunteer once a month in kids, they're going to want me to like, be there every week, and I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to volunteer at all. I'm not going to, I'm going to hold, you know what I mean? Like, we get there, don't we? You think, well, if I just give a little, then because you've been taking advantage of before, right? And I'm, I'm telling you, but don't, don't, don't worry about what might happen. Just control what you can control. Give what you can be. Don't, don't be stuck in the small-mindedness. So the question is, what are you going to do with the little? What are you going to do with the little? You see, faith makes it possible. Faith makes it possible. Faith doesn't make it easy, but faith makes it possible. If someone told you, give your life to Jesus, start following him, and life's going to be easy, they lied to you. Because <laughs> it doesn't make life easy. It makes impossible situations possible, but it's still going to be hard. It's still going to require effort. It's still going to be a challenge. There's still going to be questions that need to be answered. There will still be tests and trials in your life that it will take for you to be able to overcome the, the problem in front of you so that you can achieve the purpose God has for your life. The trials in your life are there for a purpose. Faith doesn't make it easy, but faith makes it possible. You've been going a lot through lately, right? You just need the strength to get through it. On the days that you feel like you're not going to make it, on the days that you feel like you just can't endure anymore, I just can't take it anymore, I want you to look back at the track record of your life. Because you've been there before, haven't you? You've been to the place where I just can't take it anymore. I just can't make it anymore. 
If you've been to that place where you've, you, you've felt desperate, alone, lost, and lonely, and you're like, I just can't go anymore. But when you look back at the track record of your life, you're batting a thousand because you're still here. Right? You're, you're still going. You're, you still got it going on. For those who are followers of Christ here this morning, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you've had trials in your life that have led you to this point, and every time God has been faithful to get you past that bump, past that trial, past that tribulation, past the test. The questions have come, and you didn't know the answer. And when you put your faith in the Lord, He gave you the strength to get past that point so that you had a breakthrough to get through to the next side. Your track record for surviving bad days and hard times is, is good. It's good. We deal with this in church sometimes too, don't we? We deal with this in different ways. How do you deal with the burden of, of a church that's, that's growing? How do you deal with the burden of the church of people coming to, coming to Christ and, and then things that are, we have new people coming in and, and, and I know for, if you're new here, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. But, but for those who have been here for a little while, it's like, well, what does that mean? Well, it means maybe you have to change your seat. Your name isn't on that thing. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever guys have noticed every once in a while you come to church and the chairs are rearranged? Yeah, I did that. I did that. Not because I'm doing anything other than I'm messing up your seat. That's all I'm doing. You know, I'm trying to keep it fresh. You got you to gotta change my seat. used to be right there in the aisle, and, it's, and, it, and where am I going to sit now? I don't know. Go find a new place, you know. Sit next to somebody new. Meet a new person, you know. And, and you're like, man, that is evil. Yeah, it is. I, I just, I, I, I mix it up just to mix it up. But as a church is growing, guess what? That means that there's more burden. That means that, 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 that there's more responsibility. That means there's more going on. It means that we got to give a little bit more love to those who maybe are new around here. It means we got to give a little bit more compassion. That means maybe we got to invite someone to our house for lunch after church, after we just met them, because guess what? They're now here. They're part of the family. They're part of the body of Christ. Let's bring them in. It means that they have a little bit more effort. It means we have a little bit more to give, a little bit more to do. We're filling up here, and, and, and we're about to hit the summer season, but guess what? We're going to go to double services pretty soon, and then we're going to have two services. What is that? Oh, man, now I can't come at 10 o'clock. i got to come at two different times, right? Well, you got to pick one or the other, or you can be a super Christian and come to both. I think you get a better house in heaven or something if you do that. But what do you do with the high cost? The high cost of manpower, the high cost of people. What do you do? Church, it's our church. Can the little we have go a long way? Can the little we have benefit other people? Because I look at what I have and I think, well, I can give a little here and I can give a little here. Can I help? You know what? I've seen God do miracles through our church. The Mexico Orphanage, we just did that miracle. We went to go change out the laundry equipment. If you missed it, there's a video on our Facebook and our website but, of the recap. But we did, it was a miracle. This, this church put together so much money and resources that we blessed the socks off of that orphanage. Just blew their minds what God did down there. And that's because God worked through all of us, and, and he supernaturally provided something that individually none of us could have provided. Listen, together we're the same way. The cost of, of, of a church and growing a church and reaching new people, it costs time. It costs talent, and it costs treasure. Can you give your time, talent, and treasure the three things to help keep growing and keep reaching and keep growing? Because if we just stop and say we're happy where we're at, people are dying and going to hell, and we're not closing our doors because it's comfortable. We're not closing our doors because it's comfortable. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep finding new people and helping lead them into a relationship with God. Because heaven and hell are real. 
and what we're doing here on earth makes a difference in eternity. So our church will keep growing and we'll keep making changes and we'll keep reaching. It requires all of us to give a little time and talent and treasure. And together, the little bit turns into a huge supernatural blessing for people in our city. So here we go. We are running through this series and I've got nine questions I want to share with you. Nine questions. The tests have questions. The tests have questions and there's a whole bunch of them. I got, I got, I got nine of them. And, and so... Um, I just got to flip that next slide up. Nine of them. I know some of you just looked at your watch. You're like, oh my gosh. What is this man doing? He has lost his mind. Listen to me. The force be with you. We are going to get through this thing. No, the tests and the questions. The tests have questions. Every, every test has a question. I know you, you can type it. You can take a picture, whatever you want to do. We're going to work our way through these throughout this series. Don't worry. Don't worry. But, but it's a small thing. Can you handle more? Because I think God wants to give you more. But can you handle more? Like, God wants to do more through you, but can you handle what you already have? You can't get promoted if you can't handle what you got now. And test precedes promotion. And so we, we want you, I want you to pass the test of today. Can you handle more motivation? Are you doing the right things for the right reasons? Oh, because we can do the right things. But are you doing the right things for the right reasons? And there's a big difference. We can be good Christians. You can be following the Lord. You can be reading your Bible. You can be, but you, sometimes you get stuck in doing the right things, but your motivation has shifted over time, and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. What about the credibility test? What do you do with the opportunities that have been given to you? Are those opportunities too small, and so you won't do it? Do you have credibility in the opportunities you've been handed at this point? How about the wilderness test? This is one that I personally have been working through. I had a wilderness moment over the past year or so. And guys, I'm human just like you. And some of these tests, they don't all hit at the same time. But this is one that's been a challenge for me lately. Wilderness tests. Will you make the changes that progress requires of you? Will you make the changes that progress requires of you? In order to progress to the next level, something has to change inside of you. Are you willing to make those changes? The authority test. Do you respect and appreciate the authority that God has put in your life? Because if you can't appreciate and respect the authority God has put inside of your life now, he's not going to put you in a place of authority over other people. He's not. Why are you getting passed up for that promotion? Why are you getting passed up for things that you know you should be? Maybe it's a test. I don't know for sure. Maybe it's a test. How is your current level and relationship with your current authorities? If you're talking trash about your authorities behind their back, uh, that might have something to do with it. Maybe this test is just you keep retaking it and you're not even sure. You don't even realize you're retaking a test. Maybe it's like you just feel like it's one long test and you just keep retaking it. Uh, pass the test. The warfare test. What is your adversity quotient? When you start to make changes and advances in your relationship with God, when you start to take steps of progress in the purpose that God has given you in your life, you will have people come against you. You will have enemies against you. Talking with a friend this weekend, and he said, in a video game, when you are heading the right direction in the video game, you have more enemies coming after you, right? If you don't have enemies that are coming against you in the video game, it means that you're not going in the right direction in the video game, right? 
That's how it is in real life, though, right? you got to have the, the enemies coming after you. If you have enemies coming after you, if you have adversity coming your way, you're doing something that's upsetting the enemy, and he's sending adversity your way. Maybe you're going in the right direction. Maybe you're going in the right direction. That might be the test that you're in. And it might not, but it might be the test that you're in. How about the offense test? Do you let circumstances and situations in life offend you? Offense is a funny thing. Because you choose to pick it up if you pick up that offense. There are offensive things that happen in life. You know it. You see it. You watch the TV. You watch the news. You see newscasters saying things that are crazy. And you see politicians doing things that are crazy and saying things that are crazy. And they're offensive. I'm not going to lie. It's offensive. I'm not saying don't say it's not offensive. I'm saying, are you offended by this? Because if you pick up the offense and become offended by something that's in there, that will latch onto your soul. And it is so hard to get those offenses off of you again. Don't get offended. The offended person. Mm, that'll preach. Okay, the test of time. Do you get bitter or do you get better? You know the, you know the person that you've met, that the, maybe the older person that is always full of life and happiness and joy. They're maybe in their 70s, and, and you look at them, and, and in your 80s, however old they might be. I'm, I'm 40, so, you know, it's all relative. But you look to someone who's a little older, and you see them full of life and energy, and, and you see them that, that they have this joy in their life, and you see them, and like, man, they just have gotten better and better and better with time. And unfortunately, you've also met those people in the same age bracket, and you go, man, they've just gotten bitter. Time has a way of testing you. Will you get bitter, or will you get better? Will you get bitter or will you get better? And the lordship test, the ninth one that we'll look at over the next month. Do you accept that God's way is always right? Is he the lord of your life really over all of it? Or is he just the lord over part of it? That's a test because it's easy to make God in charge of myself on Sunday mornings. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, that's easy, but what about Mondays, you know? I got a case of the Mondays. You know, like it's, it's, it's the Lordship test. Is he the Lord of every day? Is he Lord of every area of your life? He's the Lord of my reading because I read the Bible, but he's not the Lord of my movie watching because I watch that one show, you know? And I know that's not maybe a wholesome thing to be put in, putting into me, but, but I'm going to watch it anyway, and, you know, I'll just do it and ask forgiveness later because Jesus died on the cross for that too, right? Right? Yeah. Is he really the Lord of your life? Is he really the Lord of your life? Third thing I want to say today is this, is testing always precedes promotion. Testing always precedes promotion. If the band wants to come, I'm going to wrap up. See, our negative view of the tests, our negative view of tests and trials in our life, it needs to change. That opinion of the challenges needs to change. I hope, my prayer for you this morning is that you would walk out of here and look at every test, every trial, every difficult situation in your life with a new lens today. That you would walk out and say, this isn't something that's come along just to beat me down. This is something that is a test that is coming for a promotion. Testing always precedes promotion. When you find purpose in your problems, you approach your problems in an entire different, different light. You approach it in an entirely different way. 
There are things that you have to beat to get to the next level. There are things that you will face that you will have to conquer to get to the next level. If you're on level seven in Mario Brothers, you get to the end, there's a thing there that you got to beat. I don't know. I don't play it enough. But every video game at the end of level seven has a big boss that you got to beat to get to level eight. You got stuff in your life that you got to beat. You got some things in your life that you got to take care of from fifth grade to sixth grade, from middle school to high school. Final season is stressful. But testing time is what leads to promotion. So what you do in the moment, when someone does you wrong, what are you going to do about that? When someone does you wrong, what are you going to do? It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. You see, in all things, God works for good. Is it going to make you mad? Is it going to make you angry? Are you going to get bitter? Are you going to get upset? And, and what they did was wrong, and I'm not justifying their actions by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. What you do in the moment becomes a test and a proving ground. In all things, God works for good. And what the enemy meant for evil, God meant that for good too. The enemy meant for harm. God will use that for his glory. A few years ago, the codfish market had a problem. They were shipping codfish from the East Coast back into the Midwest, and they couldn't get the fish there to be fresh enough. And you know what I'm talking about. I love sushi, but I live in the desert, so I got questions. I got a lot of questions. Normally a couple bites in, I'm, their questions are over, I'm fine, but because I'll eat it no matter what. But, but these guys are trying to get the fish from the East Coast, codfish, over into the Midwest, and they want to get it as fresh as possible. So they tried to freeze it and ship it. They froze it, they shipped it. It just doesn't quite have the same level of flavor. It loses something. And they thought, what if we devised these massive saltwater tanks? And so we just kept the fish alive throw them in the tank, and then we truck them across the country, and then once they get there, um, then they're fresh. Well, they found out that when they would get there, they were soft and mushy, and they weren't, they'd just been sitting in this tank, just not swimming, just sitting there, you know, apathetic, lethargic, just the muscles shrank and atrophied, and then the fish wasn't very good. So they're like, how are we going to do this? They found a solution, though. They placed a catfish in the tank with these codfish. The catfish are natural predators to the codfish. So as they're driving across the country from point A to point B, the catfish is swimming around trying to catch the codfish in the tank while the codfish are running for their life to get through out of the, away from, from the catfish. And they get to where they're going, they pull the catfish out, they get the codfish, and they have, they have fresh fish wherever that they pull the codfish out of the tank. The trials and the adversities were necessary for these codfish to get to where they needed to go. Listen, you need a catfish in your life. I don't want a catfish in my life, but I need a catfish in your life. 
You need a catfish in your life. You should wake up every day and thank God for the catfish that's in your life. I don't have enough money to pay my bills, but I got a God who's going to supply all of my needs. Susie down the hall, she's terrible. She's a cheese grater on my soul, and I can't dare deal with it anymore. You know what? I got somebody to pray for every morning now and say, God, I hope you bless Susie so that she's so full of the love of Jesus that she is no longer a cheese grater on my soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need a catfish in your life. You need it. The challenge is real, and you've got to have it. The adversity in your life is a test, and it's got a purpose behind your problem. You have a purpose behind your problem. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, because I know that every week there's always somebody around that's coming in the doors, and you're like, I'm just checking this thing out. I don't really know about Jesus or God. I've looked at it from afar. I'm not really sure. And the, you know, I, I want to give you that opportunity this morning that you can make a decision to follow Jesus because I think it's the greatest decision that you can ever make. And it's not that your life is going to get any easier. I'm telling you it's not. But here's what I can tell you is that you will have somebody walking with you all the time. It says in the Bible that God's Spirit will come and live inside of you. Now you have somebody with you to walk with you all the time. And when you face the catfish in your life, you have somebody that's going to help strengthen you and, and keep you strong and, and keep, you, keep you going. You can take the little bit that you have and turn it over to God and say, God, will you help me take care of this? And he will. He's faithful to do it. He always will. He always, always will. So following Jesus is something like that, that isn't just a, like a quick fix to anything in your life. It becomes a companionship. And your creator wants to be with you all the time, everywhere that you go. So we church, will you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the catfish in our life. God, we thank you for the challenges and the problems. God, I ask that you would help us to find our problems as, as possibilities to promotion for our future. God, I pray that you would help us to attack the, the hard things in life the right way. God, that we would take the little bit that we have, God, that we would submit it to you and see the miraculous things come true in our life. See, the obstacles that we couldn't overcome, God, that, that, that they would become, that we'd be able to overcome them through your strength and your power. You know, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if today's the day you say, today's the day I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to make that decision. I think it's the best decision that anybody could make in their life. And so here's how this works. Is, is, is we just do a simple prayer. We say, you know, we, we speak a simple prayer and say, I'm dedicating my life to you. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may not know this, but everyone here who is a follower, it's a daily decision. We get up in the morning, we make a decision. Today, I'm Lord, I make it the Lord of my life. Now that decision gets easier as we go on our walk with the Lord. So church, we're going to all pray this together. And if this is the first time for you to pray this prayer, I want you to pray it out loud with us. And I want you to really, really mean it. So church, will you pray after me? Dear Jesus, I submit my life to you. I choose to believe you. I choose to make you the Lord of my life. And today I choose to put my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. We love Jesus. I want to tell you, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, I want to know about it. I'll be hanging out in the lobby. I want to give you a high five, a hug, a fist bump, whatever you're into, and, uh, and be able to celebrate with you. And I can even give you a little resource to help you on your next steps. So come on, church, will you stand? Let's sing one last song before we leave this morning. So let go my soul and trust in Him. The waves and wind still know His name.
still know 